Welcome to Executives Unpacked, bringing you inspiration from the boardroom. A series of interviews with key and senior executives from throughout the content media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity industries. Brought to you by Newco Global Executive Search. Welcome to the Executives Unpacked podcast. I'm Tom Wilding, Managing Consultant of our cybersecurity team, and we're delighted to be joined today by our guest, Gianna Jiva. Welcome. Thanks, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Good. So Gianna is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Exabeam, and her role covers everything people, from strategy and process for attaining top talent to creating and driving corporate culture, as well as all diversity, equity and inclusion. She brings a wealth of experience in executive human resources management to the business and has worked for a mixture of small, large, private, public, global companies, uh, having previously been the CPO at Bluevine, a private fintech company, and before that, leading HR and people functions in high growth technology and SaaS organizations. Growing up, Gianna wanted to be a pediatric neurosurgeon. Her biggest extravagance is travel, and negativity is her pet peeve. So, Gianna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. It's so <laughs> funny hearing myself talked about like that. But yes, thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> let's, let's do this. <laughs> All right. So we're going to jump straight straight into it um, with some questions. What would you say is the biggest single lesson that you've learned over the course of your career? Hmm. For the listeners out there, these are wonderful questions that were not sent in advance. So you're getting the raw thoughts. <laughs> um, a lesson. You know, when I reflect on my career, there have been many lessons, some hard learned, um, others, um, others less so. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote that says, if you could do anything in the world um, without fear of failure, um, you know, that's what you should do. Um, and I think that's that's one of many lessons that I've learned because I think the the younger version of me um, was often making fear induced um, decisions. And um, I think as I as I've journeyed, I've learned that there's a lot of greatness out there that can be accomplished if we let ourselves simply dream and then try. I couldn't agree more. And that fear of failure is something that can be a real barrier to to some. In positions of leadership, how can we, you know, help support cultures where failure is a, you know, is a real positive rather than the, the negative that can sometimes be associated with it? Yeah, I think our, our role as leaders includes creating environments where our employees are safe to fail. Um, a truly, you know, rich learning environment is one where employees know that they have the freedom to grow and to learn. And sometimes that includes not always reaching for what we've, um, you know, aimed to aim to get, achieve, or, or accomplish. Um, and you know, that takes building building trust. That takes communication. That takes um, psychological safety. Brilliant. All right. So next bit, what's the best bit of advice someone's given you? Ooh. By the way, I wish you'd sent me all of these questions in advance. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to caveat and say that I don't know that this is the best because it's hard to singularly extract what the singular best is, but um, something that is um, resonating with me as I, as I kind of knee-jerk reaction think about this is um, there's a quote that says, it's not about being right, it's about getting it right. 
And I think that that applies a lot to, um, to life, but especially to leadership, because I think a lot of leaders sometimes um, love to lead from the front and to, and to direct. Um, mm. and I think a more sustainable and frankly, more innovative and effective long-term approach is to um, lead by, by empowering others. And that means not this binary right-wrong dynamic, but this mm. dynamic of it's about getting it right together. I and by the way, it's done remarkably well without the with the, without the questions beforehand. And I think it's it's really <laughs> interesting hearing, you know, like you say that that sort of raw first thought, first impression. It's a really interesting point that you know, um, and actually, it sometimes is the point of difference between great individual contributors becoming great leaders and managers. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you've seen that over the over the course of your career. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of in terms of leadership across all, all role types and spectrums across a business. Yep. Is there any sort of recurring theme that you've seen in people who you've been particularly impressed by? So I would say, hmm, so recurring themes across, across leaders, regardless of function, industry, et cetera. Um, I think the ability to have a vision, articulate that vision, and um, bring a group of people together um, is something, whether it's a chief information security officer or a chief marketing officer, a CEO, um, a chief human resources officer, et cetera. I think those, the ability to um, you know, clearly say, here's where we are, here's the shared goal that we have together, here's how each of us fit into that, and then let's go, let's go achieve and do great things. Um, and then yeah. kind of weaving in some of what we talked about around creating a psychologically safe environment where it's okay mm. to make mistakes, it's okay to fail sometimes. I think the truly great leaders have, have created those environments. And actually, the, the, totally, and, and the first bit that you touched on there is I suppose there's an element of practicality and organization about leadership, you know, enabling people to feel really clear in terms of what they should be doing for success and to succeed. And then, mm -hmm. and then hopefully if they do well to receive recognition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that part of leadership is inspiring other leaders, right? So, you know, a, a leader, I think is a, a bit of a guide, someone who's not there to tell you exactly what to do, but who's there to help you understand and realize your gifts, how you can contribute, and then creates this amazing environment where you can go out and make magic happen. Yeah. And again, I think that succession piece essentially is what it, you know, building leaders within leaders, uh, very different to the television show Succession, which if you haven't watched it, is exceptional. Although is it? I haven't watched it. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but you know, building those people to support leadership through mm -hmm. their own leadership style uh, also creates the avenue for different styles of leadership to help support different people. Because I'm sure, big part of leadership is is looking after and managing different people with different experiences and different personalities. So yeah, a, us, yeah, us in, in the in HR space call that situational leadership, um, right? Meaning as a leader, um, part of our effectiveness is quickly understanding and deducing someone's, um, someone's style and the type of leadership that we as leaders need to employ in order to be successful working with, with that person. So I concur completely. On HR, um, yeah. 
talk to us about the greatest impact that HR can have on an organization. Mm, well, any organization in the world, doesn't matter what you do, I guarantee you've got humans in that organization. That is an essential part of any function of any organization or company. The HR people function is the organization or the department within companies that is tasked with not only helping to um, hire and then um, retain employees, but also to help develop them and ensure that they're being as productive as possible during their during their time at that organization. And that's a really beautiful and unique mission that touches all parts of the business. And frankly, that's what's a, a, attracted me to this to this function. I love being able to work with lots of different people across lots of different parts of our business and to really think creatively about how can we create structures and programs that incentivize, motivate, reward um, so that people can really do their best work. That's that's exciting stuff. It's motivational. I love it. Uh, it is. And no matter how much AI creeps into the world, there will still be a significant human factor in all businesses. You're, yeah, you're, you're totally right. At what point of your career did you, you know, did you decide to commit fully to HR and being involved with that? Yeah, I, I kind of stumbled into HR. Um, I, I wasn't someone who grew up saying, I want to be a human resources professional. I don't know <laughs> if too many people do it. <laughs> I mean, bless those who say that, but I'm not <laughs> one of them. Uh, you know, I, I kind of fell into HR. Um, you know, I, I went to um, a school where I, I learned a lot about business and management and entrepreneurship. And then, um, you know, was was out in the world, and at the time thought that, yeah, I want to I want to do the thing that most of my colleagues were doing, um, which was to work in a you know probably large um, company and um, and and earn and contribute in that kind of more um, ROI driven business oriented way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I realized for for my own self very early on, I naturally gravitated to things like retention programs, things like mentorship programs, talent attraction programs. I didn't necessarily have the languaging to, um, to, to know that this stuff that I was really excited about is, is housed within the function called HR. Um, but I, I started to go deeper into these things that gave me a lot of energy. And over time, I realized, wow, I can build a life and a career combining both the human element and also that business oriented background. And that's, that's what I do today. Magic. I, I think that story probably resonates with a, with a lot of people. You have also, you know, and full credit to yourself, had a, a career that has progressed really quickly. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what do you think are some of the key reasons behind that? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's been a confluence of a lot of different things. Um, you know, one of those is um, when you when you don't know any better and no one, you know, is, how do I say this? When you don't know any better and you just strive and you go for it, um, that, it that, that ignorance um, allows in some ways the norms of society to no longer be limiting. And I think out here in Silicon Valley, that was a beautiful um, uh, 
byproduct of, of the sort of tech, you know, world and the tech environment here, because I, I was out here in Silicon Valley in the early 2000s. That was during the dot-com and, and like really the rise of, of the Valley. And during that time, um, people who were here will tell you that, you know, you'd have CEOs who were 22 year old kids and, you know, they could be extravagant, you know, CEOs of like multi-million dollar enterprises and stuff like that. So I really kind of um, cut my, my teeth in an environment that wasn't limited to time and seat or tenure or that kind of thing. And that's where I go back to, if you can allow yourself to think expansively and not be constrained by societal norms, then you can really flourish and you you can um, achieve a lot in a relatively short amount of time. And I, I like to think that I, I, you know, worked really hard and, um, and was able to, to rise rather mm. quickly, as you put it. Well, huge congratulations, because, you know, I, I, I think the, those mental barriers are a really interesting one. And, and, and I resonate myself resonate with other people you know it's, it's a really valid thing that I think a lot of people experience and go through um mm-hmm. good good point to recognize um you know some of the... one thing on that, yeah Tom, please do please do um you know I think because of that uh upbringing in in Silicon Valley professionally um where I was was judged and given opportunity is not necessarily based purely on my experiences, but on my potential, that narrative has really stuck with me and is a part of how I view and look at talent. Um, So translation is, I do think it's important to look at candidates and and people's experiences, for sure. Um, However, when I'm looking for talent, either at the executive level, the mid-level or otherwise, what matters a lot to me is what are the, how does this person think? What are the other experiences that this person has that give me confidence in their potential and aptitude to learn and evolve and, you know, do whatever it is that, you know, that I'm, that I'm looking for someone to do. And from, uh, and put myself in a candidate's shoes, you know, for example, trying to, trying to impress yourself, what, or, or someone who has a similar view on those bits outside of experience, what sort of tips and tricks and advice would you would you give someone trying to express things outside of just two pages of a CV? Mm-hmm. Well, so you know the the CV and and connections and stuff are often door openers, but really walking through the door successfully is incumbent upon the candidate, right? And so I think for candidates, as they are talking about and answering interview questions, yes, I care about the answer, but I also care a lot about the skills and competencies and ways of working and engaging with others that allowed for that answer to take place. Because those are the things that are indicators that let me know as an interviewer how this person would likely do in, in our environment. Yeah. And those interview, you know, interview we talk about a lot with with uh, customers, clients, yeah, that interviewing piece is a real skill. Yep. Yep. And, and and how someone answers is it's important not just what someone answers, but how they answer, right? Are they going through mm. 
and answering questions and giving all the credit to themselves when you know that it was a team effort, um, right? That's usually a flag. Um, are they going <laughs> through and answering in such a way that there's some implied shame and blame in there on others? Um, are they able to take accountability? Are they, you know, so these are the things that are embedded in how someone answers and not just the, the content of mm. the what. Brilliant. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, online and, and also actually when we spoke at RSA earlier this year, you spoke a lot about, you know, your sort of proud Filipino American heritage. Yeah. Firstly, do you think that has shaped your career? That that background? And and if so, how? I do. I um, you know, I grew up with um in a in a two-family um arrangement where my mother who's from the philippines uh i lived with her the majority of the time but then i also spent time with my father who um who was american cattle farmer rancher so very very different experiences i do think by the way that having a uh, an upbringing where I, in some ways, had to be able to relate and communicate and, and in some ways thrive in very, very different juxtaposed environments created this skill that, that I use today where, um, you know, as a, as a human resources professional, I need to be able to relate to people who are from all different backgrounds um, and worlds and, and, and upbringings and understandings and that ability to relate on a truly human and empathetic level, I think is the result of growing up in uh, a very atypical type of environment. I would add to that, that um, the Filipino in me uh, loves um, having fun, loves laughing, loves just sort of bringing our ourselves into, into situations. And, um, and I give a lot of that credit to, to my mom and to our Filipino heritage. And if any, if any folks on this podcast, um, no Filipinos or have hung out in the Philippines or with Filipinos, you know, like we're a relatively speaking, we're a pretty loud, raucous, fun, loving, joyful group of people. <laughs> Uh, my sister-in-law is Filipino, half Filipino, and I couldn't agree more. <laughs> no, and, I, and on that, I must ask you, what other, what other bit of food would you recommend people to try other than lechon? Because that's the <laughs> cheap answer. Yeah, well, there's so there's pancit, which is a, a noodle dish that is delicious. There's also adobo. Um, there's yeah, there's hello hello, which is a, a dessert. Um, I'm getting kind of hungry, Tom, just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like the parcel. My sister-in-law sent me a parcel of sinagang, the soup. Oh yes, yes, it's like a sour type of a soup. I love oh, it. Delicious and totally different to anything in in. Or British food anyway yeah. that's for sure <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. um okay so let's jump a little more specifically into the cybersecurity industry um and you've held you know some really senior roles uh, at a variety of different businesses mm -hmm. talk to us about some of your highlights some moments where you've really felt wow what an achievement or you've had a particular sense of satisfaction mm-hmm Mm, my mind goes in two ways, so I'll answer in both ways. Um, one of those ways is related to people, and the other is related more to um, you know the, the technology and, and what we do. On the people front, I love that 
um, in cybersecurity, there's there's a desire, especially in the in the recent past, to hire very diverse teams and groups of people. And I think that's because those of us in cybersecurity realize and understand in order to be at the forefront of cybersecurity, we need to have neurologically diverse individuals. We need to have employees and people on our teams who think differently because we don't want just a a copy and paste um, of you know the the everything that's been um, historically right in cyber and so when I when I see that and when I um, am a, a part of that movement in that wave and that's through diversity equity inclusion um, that's through um, you know our hiring practices that's through like a lot of those types of things I get really jazzed I get super super um, you know just thrilled like that brings that brings joy to me. On the technology side, um, you know, I will I will admit I do not personally identify as a technical person, quote unquote, or a technologist. Um, but what I get very excited about with cybersecurity is I think our time is now. We are in this really unique and special moment where various things, events, et cetera, are happening in our world that make our industry imperative to humanity's long-term success. So when I'm talking to my mom or you know family members who know nothing about cybersecurity, I like to say, we're in the business of making the world a safer place. That's a noble cause and mission. And I, I love that. Totally. And, and you know, to your first point, I think because the technologies are so new often it's such an yeah a field of such emerging technologies you have a uh, cybersecurity has an ability to probably slightly easier than some more legacy technology spaces yeah. to be a bit more proactive with their engagement uh, with you know sort of diverse backgrounds and experiences and and thinkings which is a which is a i'm sure a real privilege um yeah. You joined XBeam back in November 2021. Yes. And I've, I imagine you have seen lots of changes and some really exciting things over that time. What excites you most about where the business and where the industry are heading? Mm. So we have released some really cool products, especially in the last six, six to, to nine months. Products that I think are, um, you know, they're cloud native. They are truly revolutionizing and doing some, some incredible things for our clients and our customers. Um, I get a lot of joy reading some of our uh, customer testimonials from our, our CSMs. Um, you know, it's funny because I view the HR function very similar to the customer success organization where, you know, the CS organization has clients that are customers. It's, you know, the, the existing, um, uh, clients and customers. I think for HR professionals, our customers are our employees. So there, in my opinion, are a lot of parallels and, and similarities in, in what we do. And I get really um, excited and, and, and I feel happy when I read some of the, the testimonials about what we're doing um, in you know, the, the SIM space and the TDIR space and, um, and everything. We are truly helping the lives of our customers um, become easier and, and we help them not have to go through some of the pains that you read about in the news, um, you know, for, for other companies. Um, when I think about where we are as an organization right now, um, 
Internally, I, I'm just excited when I spend time with our employees and I hear about how they love not only the day-to-day what they do, but they're also getting a lot of enjoyment from hanging out with other employees. When I hear about people who've created and fostered friendships outside of work, but work brought them together. I mean, that's the stuff that gets me just, you know, like it, it, Mm. it, that warm spot in your, in the center of your chest just kind of, you know, goes on overload. Uh, I can speak from personal experience. I met my wife at the place that I previously worked. So, oh, it, really? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very happy, of course. Um, maybe an HR head has a, a few flags and worries, but it was, <laughs> it ended well. <laughs> live and let live. <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for jumping into some areas of that. Before we go into our final question, which we ask every guest we have on the podcast, uh, my favorite part of the show, bit of a quick fire round designed to get to know just a little more about you. Um, tell us something that you think people might not know about you. Mm, I love thriller movies. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't expect that. No way. (laughs) What's your favorite? (laughs) uh, So I love the Bourne um, movies and I also really love Indiana Jones. I'm I'm super excited about um, the the new uh, indie movie coming out. It looks, that's my mum's crush, Indiana, well, uh, Harrison Ford. It's got Phoebe Waller-Bridge in. I, I think, think so. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. exceptional. Mm-hmm. She's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. Very good. Okay. Um, and if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Everywhere. Oh, just truly everywhere, Tom. <laughs> On a plane, <laughs> traveling. <laughs> yes. No, I've had the opportunity um, through through work and then also um, for fun to travel to a lot of really incredible places. And I fall in love with every place I go. I think part of that is because I've realized through my work and my travels that the human experience is so much more similar than it is different. Um, You know, I could be in India, I could be in the UK, I could be in um, Chile or, you know, in the US, it doesn't matter, but that that basic thread of we are humans, we want to belong, we want to contribute, we love, we hurt, we grow, like those are part of what it means to be human and and that's everywhere. So I would probably want to live everywhere. <laughs> You've hacked the system, but with a very honorable answer, it allowed. What's your, what's your death row meal, that last meal that you could have on earth, what would it be? Oh gosh. Well, if it was truly the last meal, I'd try to find something super obscure so that, you know, the preparers of the meal would take a long time <laughs> to find. And, and I choose like, I don't know, some blossom of some plant that only flowers, you know, like from 2 a.m. Be in- to 4 a.m. like once a year. <laughs> that could be an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Find Gianna's last meal. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Oh, now that you've hacked the system again, but it but it works. Um, okay, and final quickfire question: If you could have one dinner guest, dead or alive, who would it be? Mm. Oh gosh! So knee jerk reaction is Brene Brown, um, but Simon Sinek and Michelle Obama are really, really close right like if Brene was busy I would gladly take <laughs> Michelle or Simon <laughs> we for the purposes of that answer we can have all three 
<laughs> okay, yay! And we'll serve the blossom that we haven't yet found. <laughs> Perfect. Great answers. Thank you very much. So it's time for our final question. Um, yes. The same question that we ask everyone that we have on the podcast. What one bit of advice do you always give others? Hmm. Oh, okay. I. It'd be great to ask the others, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, hmm. You know, I've got some, so I'm a big quotes person. Um, and so I've got multiple kind of quotes going through my mind. Um, the, the first one, which sort of touches on what we talked about, which is, um, you know, the, the fear of failure has killed more dreams than failure ever will. I do think about that. Um, uh, I'm just going to like ramble off a few other quotes here for you. Um, <laughs> Ted Lasso, whom I also love and adore, and I think is just a, you know, beautiful representation of humanity at its finest. You're preaching to uh, the choir. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, says some um, some just wonderful, wonderful things. But one of those is around um, the happiest animal alive is a is a goldfish because it has a like a three second memory or, or something along those lines. And um, the you know the takeaway there is to get on with it, to not allow negative emotions and thoughts and feelings and stuff kind of you know stick with you. Let's um, yeah, we're we're allowed to kind of make mistakes and to, um, have kerfuffles and things like that, but let's, let's, let's get on with it and, and do really cool stuff together. Anyone who quotes Ted Lasso is a tick in my book. Yeah. Big fan. <laughs> and if anyone listening hasn't watched it do, um, immediately. Yes. <laughs> Underscore. <laughs> um, Gianna, thank you so much. It's been great getting to know you. Great getting to understand a bit of about your thoughts on leadership, the industry, HR and culture. Um, really, really enjoyed this. So thank you. Same. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more. For more information about Newco Global Executive Search, we can be found at executive.newco-group.com. That's executive.neuco-group.com.